This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of the... What podcast am I on? A Table of Malcontents. That's what, what did you almost call it? I almost called it my other podcast, my uh, my work one uh, called The Hero of the Story. So it's uh, one that's connected to the gospel nice project. Plug. I like Thank that. you. I Thank like you. you should, I almost uh, called it The Happy Rant Podcast. Yeah, everyone I wasn't introducing this thing, but that's a great one from what I've heard. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are both starting to sound like Ron Burgundy. The more you talk about your podcast. Yeah. I'm a pretty you know, big deal. On, on this I don't one, know if you heard tens, of me. People, tens of listeners, everybody. People tens know of me. listeners. <laughs> I'm kind, kind of a big deal. deal. <laughs> oh. In unison. Carry there on. There we go. All right. On the table uh, with Malcontents, which is the podcast we're actually doing. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yesterday I know this was because the other Dave one. is here. That's right. <laughs> Hi, Dave. Yeah, so I'm the connection. That's yeah, good. Yeah. So, no, uh, so I'm Aaron, and uh, and of course you've heard Barnabas and Ron, Brady. and Ron, and, <laughs> and Dave, um, and as always. Cat Lady Dave. Cat Lady, Cat Lady, Cat Lady Dave. Dave. Cat Lady, Cat Lady Dave. Dave. So, uh, <laughs> you know, today we are going to have a different kind of conversation. Hopefully, not quite as schizophrenic and this, this may be dark. Our, our most helpful podcast <laughs> <laughs> yet. I've worked that out <laughs> no. of my system. <laughs> Previous episode regarding cats was really was volatile. It was um, it was yeah. dark, overly expressive. You played overly. with your knife a lot. I, I guess there yeah, may have been did. a weapon got, waved in the room. Yeah, there was a lot of waving. <laughs> Lots I, of things. I avoided any overt profanity, but only barely. And I, but you, uh, you I, did, and I'm, I'm proud in, of you. I'm in a better place now. So That's yes, true. I That's feel true. like I can offer something, hopefully of. Of more value. That's this right. Time. That's more right. value. All right. More no, value. I mean, I don't want to say value, value but like yeah. more value. More. That's right. That's Some right. value. A little bit higher than a rant against cats. Yeah. 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 A little <laughs> bit higher. There we set go. the bar low, and that's my starting point. <laughs> that's so right. Here we go. That's right. So, um, so guys, something rare happened yesterday, which is that Facebook was helpful. <laughs> I don't believe you. Okay. <laughs> Quoting Ron Burgundy again. <laughs> so that was, um, that was a question mark. Yes, that's that's right. Facebook was helpful. Yes, Facebook was helpful. Just it, because it reminded me of something. Anything on the prompter. <laughs> it reminded me of. <laughs> it reminded me of something that happened um, eleven years ago. Yesterday, or sorry, eight years ago. Eight years ago yesterday. Okay. However many years it's been, I don't. You even, said eleven before the show started, and then now it's seven. No, and it, then was it was in, eight. It was in twenty. It was in twenty eleven. That's why I'm thinking ah, eleven years okay. ago. Yes. So um, I don't know. I don't know what podcast I'm on. I don't know what year it is. Um, I don't even know my name anymore. So sorry, eh? but uh, but you know that you're Canadian, so you've got something to hang. That's on right. To. That's right. So I still got something. But uh, eight years ago, I was working on the ideas that would become the first book I ever wrote, which uh, which was kind of fun. And I was working with... What does working on the ideas mean? Well, one that was... That was a long time ago, so maybe you don't recall. But. Well, what that meant was I was trying to figure out if I had something to say about a particular issue. So the first book I ever wrote. Which, um, by the way, in writing is really important. It's kind having, of a big deal. Having something to say is sort of the essence of decent writing. It's it's kind of essential, especially 
Um, I mean, it's very true in fiction, but it's it's extremely important in nonfiction writing as well. Um, and sadly, we we've all experienced, and I'm sure you have two listeners, experienced books where there's been virtually nothing to say. And if you don't believe us, just go back and listen to our episode on books that should have been TED Talks. Right. So some of times, sometimes there's something to say, but there's not like. There's not a full twenty pages of something. Correct. There's you know eleven pages of something, which is TED Talk length. Yeah, that's right. So chapter length. So that's right. So um, so we've got that. Um, on top of that, um, I have my next my next book releasing in just a couple of weeks um, as well, which is Epic: The Story That Changed the World from B and H Kids. Um, so do get that wherever books are sold. Who did the artwork for that, by the way? Uh, a guy named Heath McPherson. Heath so. McPherson does good work. He does great the work. the one who did uh, Superheroes? Um, no. Who's the one who no. did that for you? Uh, that, that was Humble Beast. That was the guy from Humble Beast, Anthony right. yeah, DiBenedetto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Heath gotcha. uh, Heath works with with us um, in, my, in my real job um, at the Gospel Project. Um, and so he does all the all the illustration work. It's your real job. As it's my real job. To, yeah. As opposed to this podcast, <laughs> to this which, podcast. Pays us, which pays us zero dollars. That's right. Actually, it costs us money. That's yeah. right. Well, me money. <laughs> <laughs> but we pay for five-star reviews, people. We will pay <laughs> you for we will Yes, we'll take your five-star reviews because um, then maybe we can get a sponsor at some point. Uh, uh, if you know anybody who'd be interested in sponsoring this podcast, just hit us up on Twitter. Yeah, that's you right. Go ahead and, uh, go ahead and put that out there. That's we'll, right. Uh, we'll, we'll get you a we, selection of free books well, uh, yeah. for that referral. Yeah, yep. and that? Uh, and uh, rates are negotiable. We will figure out a way to make it work in a way that works for everybody. So that's that's, a, right. that's actually that's not me being facetious. I no, that's sometimes legit. it's hard to tell. That was serious. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We will gladly take your sponsorship as long as we all think it's a great idea. As, long as, as long as none of us feel dirty and slimy <laughs> about taking it. Yes. <laughs> Have you seen the outtakes of uh, Talladega Nights? You ever seen that at the end? Where they, where they just pitch random things? It's so yes, good. yes. That, that's that's pretty. You know what? That's we where should we're gonna start go with doing it. that on this. Yeah. We should just have a like a product placement. So it's like yes. you, could be your ad here, but one. instead, Dasani <laughs> Water is bringing you Table of Malcontents no. with its slightly it, charcoal filtered taste yeah. and plastic bottles that are killing sea turtles straight from mm. Lake Erie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 exotic, straight from the exotic Lake Erie, straight from the Cumberland River. I was gonna say Lake Erie. From the, the 1960s. Yeah. Anyway, we were talking about something important. <laughs> we were. We but were. Also, we want your sponsorship money. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, Keep going, Aaron. Uh, let's see You're if rolling. I can recover. Let's see you, if you I can recover. You your story. So, um, so, so, yeah. So back in back in 2011, I was um, I was working for a uh, Christian nonprofit that. Um, that was in the poverty alleviation realm. I don't know if they actually want me to say say it because of all the thing, terrible things we say and do on this show. But because I was surrounded by the the conversation of uh, poverty alleviation and and particularly the triumphal language of you know we can be the generation that ends poverty and all this kind of crap. Um, which, by the way, guys, we still haven't. So sorry, sorry, um, sorry. Um, there, um, I wanted to. I wanted to actually. I started thinking about. Okay, well, what does the Bible say about this top about this issue? Also, a good starting place. Generally, a good starting idea. place. That's yes. right. That's right. Especially if you're writing to Christians. Not, but quick side note here, Kimber. We were like coming up with topic ideas for podcasts, and all of a sudden, Barnabas throws in something that's like. 
We'll, we'll reveal it later, but it, it was it was like a good serious issue that related to the Bible. I like, I like the level of surprise in your <laughs> and voice. I, I mean, it was like a good idea. <laughs> no, I'm shocked. Oh yeah, I yeah. Thought, is there a joke in this? No, he's actually got a really good serious. No, it's podcast great. And idea, so we're going to talk. Wait to do we're going to talk about yeah. that. But um, but you know, it was just it was nice to get this reminder of of you know my my early days as an aspiring as an aspiring writer. Um, you know, working in mark basically working in marketing the whole time and trying to figure, okay, can I do something other than writing blog posts and and videos and things like this that are for promotional purposes? Um, and do I have something that's worth saying? And um, going through that whole process of being rejected by, I think it was like six or nine publishers. Um, you know. Uh, Getting to actually pitch. They all swiped left. Sorry, Aaron. They did. They did. <laughs> they, um, but I mean, I got to, but I mean, I got to pitch it. Nope. I got to pitch it in person to, to a couple of did people you? at a conference. Yeah. Right, that's rare. Yeah, right. it was fun. They were just like, yeah, tell me about it. You published with Cruciform, right? That was the first one I published with. Yeah. They're good um, cool. They're good people. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin Meath is a great guy. So. I've talked to Kevin on a couple occasions. I like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, great experience. Mm. Probably um, that that kind of publisher is probably one of the best ones that I would recommend for an aspiring an aspiring author, first time author. Um, and that was kind of Kevin's intent with Cruciform in the beginning. Anyway, was that it would be a place it would be a place for for people who maybe have a limited platform but have something worth saying that can be helpful and beneficial to um, to mm-hmm. other believers. Yeah. Um, and just see what happens kind of thing, yeah. which is which is cool, which is cool. So, Kevin, if you're listening, which you probably aren't, thank you for, for giving me that, because if I hadn't done that, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be in this podcast studio with you guys. Um, oh, so we owe Kevin a debt of thanks oh, Kevin. or a Come on sucker sh- punch of the week. I'm not <laughs> sure which. Well, it depends on how much I'm cheesing you off, I guess. Wait, what does that mean? That sounds questionable. Have you ever heard cheesing you off, Dave? Just mean cheesing you off? That's what he just said. The Canadian just said that phrase. Like cheese ball. Just means I can't say pissing you off. (laughs) I I I guess I can say that. Just go for it. I said that at 11, which means I think it falls under PG 11. Oh, okay. There you go. That's the standard. Well, I said more than that that at 11, but uh, I, I swore like a sailor. So, A Canadian sailor. He apologized for it afterwards. What are we talking about? All right, yeah. uh, we're talking about practical so, advice. For so we thought authors. about, you know what? Let's talk about practical first advice for first-time authors, for aspiring authors who want to get started. And I mean, we've hinted at a couple of things already. Um, one being, you actually have to have something to say. Um, I think, but I mean, that too often people start with trying to be somebody before they have something to say because you used the word platform earlier. It's the word that makes us all feel like we probably go need to like shower off because it's just kind of gross. That's, it's dirty, yeah. Um, it's a reality uh, that, that that's usually an essential part of getting into the publishing business. Mm-hmm. But, but platform without message is just garbage writing. And there's a lot of people who put plat- platform first. So it's it becomes a, a game of social media followers and being an influencer. And there's a lot of sort of 
name dropping, bringing people around you. None of that has to do with being an aspiring writer. That has to be with that. That's an aspiring famous person. Right. Um, So to be an aspiring writer, you really it's a craftsman job. You have to do the necessary work of just practice. And that usually means I mean, you talked about doing a ton of blog posts and things like that before you ever got to a book. There's just a lot of reps in it. Just write a lot of stuff. I mean, the things that have helped me the most over the years are countless articles, most of which I don't remember having written. But if I go back and look at my files, I'm like, man, there's there's a lot there. Yeah. Of I so I wrote a weekly sports article for World Magazine's website for like four years, which yep. I'd say like ten of those were really good, twenty of them were pretty good, and the rest of them were forgettable to like, ugh, I kind of think that was really trash. Mm-hmm. And they were nice enough to give me that chance. Um, blog posts for a while, I was a regular blogger. That and again, a lot of that stuff is kind of embarrassingly bad mm-hmm. or yeah. or mm-hmm. like a mid-20s overconfidence like I'm dead certain of this opinion that I'm a lot less certain of now um, but just it's kind of the 10,000 hours rule except yeah. it's more like the I don't know 7 million words rule or something yeah yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's it's like anything. Uh, yeah, I'm not, and clearly I'm speaking of the one who has not written a book, but has coached a lot it. of. I'm That's working, right. I'm That's working right. on twenty forty, man. I'm working on my uh, my tell all. Yeah, <laughs> I tell I like, about literally yeah. everything. You're going to tell all. Just tell it all. Yeah, yeah. just everything. I'm just, just everything it's I observe, be, everything I feel. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's like all it's all the how feels about cats. All part, the feels, guys. Part memoir, part gossip. Part reporting, part history. Absolutely. A lot of parts. Yeah. Part, uh, part a lot of cat poetry. So, you know, part, yeah, yeah, inspired by T.S. Eliot. Yeah, that's mm. right. That's right. Mm. An ode mm. to feline. Hemingway's six fingered cats, you know, all those yeah. fun things. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So many options. No, I think it's, uh, it's fascinating to see. Uh, to watch the first time authors go through this like emotional experience of, uh, of trying to put themselves out there. And it's very admirable. And, I spent a lot of time just coaching them and probably serving more as a counselor of sorts. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's funny because it's hard. If it's like a life message, whether it's like in your profession, you're writing about something that you do every day, you're you're afraid to get that out there because like, what's the reaction going to be? And I remember when, sorry, we're going to bring up Leif one more time here. When you and Leif were talking, like I was doing better. Now I'm getting angry again. (laughs) Words like uh, uh, shame, a feeling, perhaps shamed, a feeling shame over it, or uh, just I don't know, just feeling vulnerable. Like if I put it out there, what if somebody says whatever? You know, that's going to affect a nine enneagram like Dave and just make him feel terrible. Well, I mean, any author, they all at the end of the day feel a little bit like that, whether they admit it or not. I'm like, yeah, you want your book to be received well. You know, I mean, who doesn't? want that um you certainly have to learn how to get over having bad reviews or mild reviews or something that's not exactly the way you wanted but sure it's an emotional experience and i get it um and it's i mean that that, that's a very different experience for different kinds of people i would say there are there are authors for whom like they put something out whether it's a book or a blog post whatever and they their their like their soul is attached to that thing. So criticism that comes in or feedback is, I mean that's a huge swing for them. Yes, yeah. I think it's healthiest if you can remove yourself from that. So you pour yourself into something, you say it as truthfully as you know how, mm-hmm. with all of the feeling that is appropriate to the content. So some things are very emotional, some things are a little bit more analytical, kind of depending on what you're writing. 
and then you step away from it and like that that's a ship that has sailed you right. are, you're not on the ship you sent it out there and uh and so if if it takes on water or whatever like that's not you you have to be able to separate yourself from that which is part of the reason why I have learned to laugh at one-star reviews. I find one-star reviews of my books to be just a delightful source of entertainment. Mm-hmm. It does help that there aren't, like, thousands of them. Yeah. yeah. If there were, I probably would be saying very different things right now, or I would have quit writing. <laughs> but, but isn't it kind of like well, mean, it's like mean tweets, you know? It's a kinda, little you bit, You kind of yeah. have to, like, yeah. bit. really? You're, is this really what you're you saying know, I wonder if we should, uh, at some uh, point, if we should do your own read... Read some of the the most yeah. negative reviews. Go get some of those. That'd be fun. Yeah, for for the podcast. I'll, too, I'll read them for you. Any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, I want Dave to read me. I'll, I'll do. About me. I'll do my uh, <laughs> cat lady voice. Uh, oh yes, which is my everyday voice apparently. <laughs> but I, but so. I think the the point of that is if you if you get caught up in the 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 response to things, you're being carried along by something that is both outside your control. It's outside of your vision and mission. If you think that that God's given you a voice and a, and a talent to write feedback matters to confirm that or affirm that. Yep. But it should not be your motivating factor. My third book, the curious Christian is the one that I think I'm probably the most proud of because of the stage in life at which I wrote it. The concept itself was like wrestling a pissed off octopus. Like I just struggled to get that thing into concise form and it's gotten kind of near response like people it just didn't sell that well dave liked it because dave is nice but it's uh, not true it's it's an excellent book you i didn't have it. any one-star reviews on it that i could see oh i haven't checked i know the reads. pastor i think the pastor's kid in? and uh help my unbelief both, oh, got, those a, one did. both okay. got a couple yeah. but but that was one where i just i i i had to say i i am proud of the the work that i did i said the thing that i intended to say as well as i know how to say it and now there's a moving on aspect to yeah. it. Whereas if I was if I was living and dying by responses, by speaking invitations, like I don't get asked to speak about that. Nobody gets it apparently. Um, They're not curious enough to, or they just are like, I don't even know mm-hmm. how this translates to regular sure. life, which is why I wrote the book. But um, Dave, you're chuckling. You must have found <laughs> a fun one. But but all that to say the so the. The living and dying on responses to what you write is a quick way to demotivate yourself and to get just to live inside your own head and your own emotions in a really unhelpful way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you know, speaking from a faith standpoint, it's something that we're explicitly called to avoid. We're not supposed to be seeking the approval of other people. If you can... Um, if you write what you write with a clear conscience, you you feel that you you know if you are a Christian, if you are a Christian who writes, mm-hmm. that you have honored honored the Lord in how you have written this yeah. and what you have said, and you're you know as best as imperfect as we all are in this, then that's all that matters. From that point of view, it doesn't matter if your book sells ten copies or if it sells ten thousand copies. Um, the the person who whose opinion matters has is, is fine. <laughs> yeah, and that's I mean that's when you're in the when you are in once you get to the kind of publishing where money changes hands. Mm-hmm. So if you're writing blog posts and things like that, that's an easier mindset to have because you're like, oh, this post got a hundred clicks and this post got a thousand clicks. Right. But it, but when your next publishing opportunity rests on the success of this one, it there's a different temptation there. 
Yes. But I think, but dovetailing with what you're saying, a thing that I have learned, I didn't start here, but I, I've learned more how to think in this mindset is writing to try to serve other people. Um, yep. Because if you write to serve, so you're, this is a thing that I hope will help people. Not out of a sense of arrogance, like I have the answers for people, but A, this is my contribution. Hopefully it helped build somebody's faith or answer some questions or shares a story with them that they then can kind of be part of. Yeah. Um, then the numbers kind of fade a little bit and the responses matter more. So the conversation that somebody has who says, I really loved this part of your book or when you said this, it helped me understand this. All of a sudden, those things take on a, those are the meaningful things. So the conversations I get to have about the pastor's kid or help my unbelief, those are the ones that, that matters more than numbers to me because it means I wrote a thing hopefully to help people and it's helping people. Yeah. Are you writing to... A certain type of person? I'm not. Um, I mean, with the pastor's kid, I I had a category of people in mind. But even then, I was yeah. like, I hope this connects with 14-year-olds and 54-year-olds, you yeah. know, kind of, mm-hmm. as well as Anyone people in ministry and people whose parents have been in yeah. ministry. Right. Um, I don't – it doesn't help me to think about writing to a person. I know of authors who do that. Like, they picture a reader and, like, mm-hmm. this is for them. Right. Um, I want to write books that I like to read. Uh, to me, that's sort of the golden rule of writing. I don't know how you feel about this, Aaron, but like, yeah. I, if I'm not writing something that I would be interested in, I feel like I'm going to do it poorly or disingenuously or for the wrong motives. So I guess in a sense, I'm thinking about me as the reader. Like, <laughs> yeah. Would it, yeah. Would I be interested? Would I be captivated? Would I be persuaded? Um, but yeah, I'm not thinking of, of a, a category of people because that feels a little bit like I, I feel like for me it would be a temptation to become a people pleaser in that in that sense sure. as opposed to doing what I know how to do as well as I know how to do it. Yeah. And I mean so with with all the stuff that I've written so far I have had someone in mind. Okay. Um so for example with Epic it was writing for 12 it was writing for 8 to 12 year olds. Um so I had to think about yeah. I had to think about them in a different way than I would, than I had to with Awaiting a Savior or with Contend, which was my other one. Um, the, um, but with those, with those first two, um, like there was still, there was still someone that I had in mind. It was the person who is, you know, being swept like with Awaiting a Savior. It was, it was the person who's being swept along with the conversation of, um, you know, on social justice and, and, all this stuff and not really sure what to think about it like has a general sense of okay the bible seems pretty clear on yes we need to we need to care for those who are in need and we need to help people but am i like is it up to me to change the world am i am i the one who's supposed to be you know fixing everything or is there or is there something else going on what do i do when it seems like the world is pushing back on you know on every good endeavor and so we make one we we take a step forward and then we take two more back how do we how do we reconcile that and um so that was what i was thinking through but i was thinking about it from from my own perspective as well was how do i process this and i let that journey develop my own thinking yeah for me there's always a mindset of you know 
when people are like, who is this book for? My answer is like anybody who likes this kind of book. Like that's that's sort of my that's my that's sort of sure. my, in my mind. That's what I'm thinking because what I've learned is that if you're interested in something or you're curious about something, or you're passionate about something, or you're struggling with something, so are other people. Mm-hmm. Nobody is flying solo on those things. So if you write something as clearly, as well-crafted, as artfully, as honestly as you know how, you just have to hope that it connects with the people who are thinking about struggling with walking through processing the same ideas. And that's that's who the book is for. So it's not... It's not a person with a face in your mind necessarily, but it's a person with the same, the same sort of place in life, or the same heart, or the same what you know that that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm really happy we've dealt with the um, kind of what's underneath, like the motivation of writing, and also mm-hmm. just uh, that emotional experience, all that. One thing we have not talked about too is just what that next thing is, how to be the next dot dot dot, and what promoted to you the uh, the new author on what you could be the very like the tony robbins message to you about what you could be as an author i want you guys to comment on that you can say whomever you want (laughs) whatever but as a publisher i'll say this one one thing um we are here to help you as your partner we are not everything to you Mm -hmm. but also you also don't expect you to do it all alone it has to be something that works together and every publisher is going to approach that differently based on what their strengths are um there's also times where every publisher i'm just gonna say it like you're ranked in some way of like where you are where revenue falls and all for everything and so you're pushed they're pushed all the time needing the publisher on like what you should focus on that's going to help uh the publisher move the ball forward and that's tricky and i know that's frustrating sometimes it's frustrating to us yeah i mean it really yeah. i mean because you can't trust me t- dave the nine i can't please everyone i mean that that drives well, me crazy and, that i mean and dave the reader or barnabas like there are books that come across our desk so i i do more or less the same job as dave in a different part yes. of publishing so i work mm-hmm. more with the academic and theological books mm-hmm. There are books that we that come across our desk that we like more than other books. Yeah, totally. We think this is a profoundly good book, and it's not going to get profoundly deep spending in marketing because of all of the business factors. And so, yeah, there's that frustrating yeah. where you're like, the best book, in our opinion, does not necessarily get platformed as much as the book that is the most likely to sell. That is just a blanket truth across all publishing, and you right. cannot escape it. Yeah. But that being said, um, you got to start somewhere. Every publisher has to look somewhere. Like yeah. the reality is, you can't just public go after every big name that's already been out there for years and spend a lot of money on them and a lot riding right, on right. it. In that sense, right? You, you've got to invest somewhere. That's why, like, it's fun. You kind of around your publisher enough, you realize you kind of learn the stories of the ones that became a big hit, and you realize like. Pretty humble beginnings, by all means, and like it's fun to see those stories because it helps other new uh, writers, you know, have something to hope for. Right. Um, but I tell you this: they all worked hard. They all yeah. hustled, man. I also yeah. think it didn't just as, happen. As a writer, yeah, it is not helpful to to think about being one of those people. Sure. Correct. Yeah. Nothing is as disappointing as getting in your own head that maybe your book it. will be a New York Times bestseller. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or maybe this one will be recommended by X famous person and it will tip, you know. And because then, again, you've skewed your motivations away from serving, mission, passion, artfulness, like the things that make books great. 
and you've shifted into I want to be a somebody. Don't be a somebody. Be a good writer. Right. Period. Right. The somebody thing will happen or it won't. Um, you do need to work with your publisher to promote your book. That's probably a separate podcast, how to do that without being a, you know, D-bag. But yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a challenge in and of itself. Both yeah. sides. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate you saying, saying that, Barnabas, that, um, yeah, don't worry about being, you know, whoever, whoever that person is who's the pinnacle. Because you're not that person. Just be you. To be fair, you might write better than that person. That's there, actually true. Or whoever's most, writing for them. Um, not most. There yeah. are a lot. Yeah, that's true. <sighs> there are a lot of writers who get little to no publicity who are dramatically better than those who sell hundreds of thousands of copies. Right. There is mm-hmm. minimal correlation between excellent writing and excellent sales. Yeah. If anything, it sometimes seems to be the inverse, yeah. um, which is is awkward and it's also true in other areas of pop oh, culture absolutely. like the, absolutely the music that gets played on the radio is not usually the best artistry no no the but, movies no. that make the most money are not usually the ones that are sort of critically acclaimed and like man the right. cinematography Correct. and the screenwriting it's like nope it's just yeah. marvel movies sure right. and i mean marvel movies we like we they're all fun. like those yeah. they're big dumb fun movies but that's all they are you're not looking you're not looking to those for you know anything? You know deep, any deep philosophical. It's a little bit thinking. more frustrating in the Christian world when that same par- paradigm holds true because the best-selling sure. books are often books that are that are unhelpful. Like they say untrue right. things, or yes. they say true things in ways that are like that. That's not helping people right. grow. Unbiblical things or twisted ways. Right. Twisting the Bible to whatever their agenda is. Exactly. So, so, I mean, yeah. one of the current the current hot ones is, you know, Girl, Wash Your Face. And got to say, I haven't read that one. Um, I, I did read it, uh-huh. by the way, because... Because you're Cat Lady Dave. Because I'm Cat Lady Dave. <laughs> yep. I know Dave read Girl, Wash Your Face. Yeah. Um, but I, I actually, I didn't want to be the one, just criticize it without knowing. Yeah, like, yeah, really yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. I'll say a couple quick things. She is a very good writer, very good storyteller. I can see why people. So the person are, writing for her is a very good. What's that? Is the person writing for her is a very good. No, I believe she wrote. Sure she oh, I believe she, oh, I believe okay. she wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I, that's good. You can generally tell. Like she writes too conversationally for like someone else just to step into her mind. Right. But um, no, I mean, I, I I think if she had some context and a good. Uh, uh, um, Bible teacher at her side, <laughs> you know, it'd be it'd be excellent. But you know, sure. it's uh, I, I it's not just her. There's a lot of people out there oh, counseling yeah. people who call themselves experts in something, well, and, and they don't really have any foundation fa- for it. And that's yeah. the trick. And thank you so. for that because this is one of those things that you need to know as a as a writer. And it is one of those things that. Um, I think equally pisses us all off is um, the the folks who have m- become self-proclaimed experts in helping you to become, you know, whatever, you know, what achieving whatever goal it is like. So it's like through if you follow their, you know, seven, eight steps and pay them one hundred and fifty dollars a month, you, too, can have a New York Times bestselling uh, bestseller and you know, and and go down that route. And usually, what it means is start a course, um, take their course, start a course, and uh, and gain more people. So it's a multi level marketing scheme. Um, yeah, and just remember, the first seven steps lead into the second seven steps, lead into the third seven steps, because there's always nobody ever achieves success. Right. right. You achieve 
some, and then there's more to be gained, and they, that means they have more to sell you. It's kind of right. A, it's kind of a gateway drug. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And very rarely does that mesh well with biblical honesty. It's very hard to climb a platform like that while also saying things that remain biblically pointed. Yes, because because the gospel is foolishness to the world. And so if you say things that remain biblically orthodox or you say or you deal so Aaron's book about alleviating poverty like you get into areas of controversy trying to take a biblical perspective there's a ceiling on your success there. Yep. Or you 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 start to make compromises on content. Like they that's not to say that no biblically faithful books sell well, but they don't sell well by following a seven-step plan handed out by some self-proclaimed marketing guru. That those things rarely mesh well. Yeah, correct. Also, I, also true for really good fiction. The best fiction out there right now is famous because people love it, not because they followed a step. Right. Leifinger has never not made an appearance on this podcast. Uh, Frederick Bachman or Bachman, I'm not sure how to say his name, is another one. Like These are just profoundly good writers who people accidentally made famous by falling in love with their books. Right. You yeah. know? It's a great point. All of us were recommended those by one – this is what we talk about all the time. I mean, one individual said, hey, you right. need to check this out. It's that good. And I yeah. trust your love of writing. It's going to be similar to mine. So, therefore – and then it goes on from there. That's yeah. how books. That's how books move. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So it's good advice. Yeah. Very good advice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, beware of uh, the muse. <laughs> you know, and beware, and beware of snake oil salesmen. I wouldn't yeah. know. Like the, the muse is important. Yeah. yeah. The uh, it's yeah it's the siren song of, yeah. of money and fame. Like yeah. money right. and fame and good writing have nothing in common with one another. Mm-hmm. One of right. them is a yeah. byproduct of accidental circumstances yeah. or snake oil salesmen. Yeah. Yes. Um. But there's it. Just write the best stuff, and and then by according to your conscience, figure out how to share it with people. Yeah, that's right. like th- there's not. I don't know a better way to yeah. to say it. No, there's, and and that's going to be the thing that is yeah. probably going to be your biggest your biggest difficulty um, in getting people reading your stuff is because most of us do not like promoting our own work. Um, we're marketers. Also, and, most of us and we famous. don't like. Well, there's that too, but <laughs> it's hard to get people to write your stuff when they don't know who you are, or read your stuff yeah. when they don't know who you are. That's true. That's true. I mean, um, you know, thankfully, you know, we've got you know our massive following of tens of people, guys. I mean, this right. is good. And this my last good. Oprah message is this, uh, which yeah, Brian, love, I, I reminded love, love yourself. I remind yeah, love exactly. yourself. Uh, no, yeah, Barnabas and I reminded Barnabas, Mike. I think we talked about this in the uh, Five Leadership Questions podcast when Barnabas was co-host. Then, uh, no, I mean it is. It's <laughs> that used to be an excellent uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> now, there's, now it's hosted by Todd Adkins and Daniel M, who I love as people, but it's not nearly as good as when I helped Todd with it. So <laughs> it's. Uh, it's more stay employed friendly now. Let's put it that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, yes, I know this is the Oprah message, but it is absolutely true. Uh, don't try and be someone else. Be who you are. Don't try and write. Just because you like someone else's writing out there, if you try right. to be exactly that, then you know that's not you. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, like that other person may have some amazing talent. I'm not saying you don't have your own talent. Just recognize that. I, just ooh, be genuine. Ooh. Go ahead, Aaron. I got one more. I got one more. Um, and it relates It relates to this. Um, 
listen very carefully if someone says wait. Because you might have a like good wait, idea. Wait to publish? Wait oh. to publish. Yeah. Yeah, so like you that. might have a good idea. You might have something that's worth saying. The timing may be completely wrong from specifically from a your stage of life. Mm-hmm. Um, even more so from the even more than in a publishing calendar. I mean, you know, one thing you do have to be aware of is in publishing, there are cycles for everything. So if a publisher does one particular kind of book, they're probably going to wait three to five years um, for that book's lifespan to fully, you know, mm-hmm. like to go through entirely before they release another similar book. But there but there are certain ones that if you are um, – um, but you may just not be in the right place um, to have the right kind of, um, for lack of a better word, authority to speak into a, into a specific yeah, issue. Yeah, having opinions and having authority are two different things. Correct. Um, um, so, I mean, we, you know, on our bonus episode around val- Valentine's Day about marriage books, it's like, I'm sorry, if you've been married for less than, if you've been married for five years, you don't have anything to say yeah, about 10 or marriage. 15. I mean, those are, yeah, give it a minute. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> My last um, comment, jumping off of what Dave said in terms of sort of being yourself and not sort of imitating others. That's part of the reason reading widely matters so much because writing, every writer needs to find a voice. But that's not usually, I don't think that that's usually an intentional process. Now, maybe it is. Maybe you try different things and you find comfort levels. But I think usually it's more absorption by kind of osmosis. If you put yourself into a a hundred different books written in different styles, you will absorb phraseology and how to do metaphor and how to craft an argument. Or if you put yourself in a hundred books by one author, but you don't try to imitate like I have learned so much about crafting chapters from the way that C.S. Lewis wrote nonfiction. Yeah. Because I resonated with it. When I read that, I was like, that's how my brain works. And then I read other books by other authors, and I'm like, that is very clearly not how my brain works. I struggle to read J.I. Packer's stuff. Right. He's brilliant, but it's just structurally not the way my brain works. I read Lewis and I just feel like I'm riding a water slide. I'm like, oh, this is easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's there's an osmosis of 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 influence as opposed to an imitation. And I yeah. think that's a huge part of finding voice and and learning over time what it means to to write as yourself instead of writing in imitation of. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you know, certainly in our um, our little ghetto of publishing, um, that is probably the greatest danger that I mean, certainly I've seen with a lot of the bloggers who are out there um, who are aspiring who are aspiring authors is they're only reading they're only reading guys who are a few years ahead of them in publishing or they're reading your dad or they're reading Packer or why would they be reading um, Dave's dad <laughs> Dave is your dad an author oh that's a good point that's good sorry uh sorry Barnabas's dad okay got you. <laughs> um ah. you know and but they want to sound like them and they're but they're not them and so yeah, yeah don't try to sound like anybody else that's no. a bad idea no yeah. So, um, so guys, I think uh, I think that's a good place for us to wrap that up. Kind of park. And now, 
Now, what we got to do here, we got a couple of important things left. Sucker punch. Um, we, yeah. It is time it's once time. again for the Jack Reacher Sucker, Sucker Punch of the time. Week. Let's. Uh, I'm going to just go ahead and say I don't have one for this week. But oh, yeah. uh, we can limit oh, it to I'm, just I'm, one of us right. or, or I'm both. Gonna, or I'm going to stay in the political zone for a second. All I'm right. just going right for it. All right, all right Dave. So uh, even though this will air after this happens, but uh, CPAC is happening in Washington, D.C., the Conservative Political Action Conference. Oh. Don't worry. You guys are looking at me like uh, I used to have to attend this for Aaron work. Aaron can't even legally vote in this country. That's true. He doesn't care. Yeah, well, see, I I have to live by the consequences of all you people's decisions here. I'm so sorry. So. Carry on, Dave. Listen to this. I know. I used to have to go to this conference every year uh, when I worked on political to. books. Oh, had, had to. to. All right. And uh, it is, yeah, the uh, uh, Blowhard of Blowhards conference. Um mm. And uh, is there a lot of uh, is there a lot of is there a uh, book related thing sugar? here? Or are you just wanted to punch like a group <laughs> just, of people in the face? I, all right, this is just, I'm yep. using them as the target, and it's okay. any okay. group that reads only one type of book, and that's it right there. So cons- yeah. these types yeah. of conservatives, just like there are going to be these types of liberals and other groups, like they're just going to say, this is the only thing. We're going to use this as our only tool we have right here, mm. and anything else isn't going to help me at all. being the operative word. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Also so. the outcome of such choices. Oh, man. Mm. So There it is. Yeah, without going too much in the political zone of it, it's just like, come on, man. You have like, there's like one thing to you. That's it. That's it. And that's how like every single college kid who goes there, yeah. they're like robots. Oh, yeah. It's double speak zone. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So there you go. All right. There you go. There Thank you. Go. That's mine. Barnabas. Uh, I mean, I have a list, but I will limit <laughs> it to save, one. Save Do you have one. a running list on Evernote? Always. Like, all right, yep, yeah, I'm add them on. Let's yeah, as it. I read a book, I'm like, oh, I just want to punch this. Bro. Right. Good. We have an option to do this. There we go. Digitally, there we, we can go. digitally punch. So I'm going to pick um, a character named Matthew Cunliffe from the Cormoran Strike novels. So these came up on an earlier yeah. episode. It's J.K. Talk Rowling's yeah. fiction. Um, Matthew Cunliffe is the... Um, Fiance, boyfriend slash fiance of of Cormoran Strike's partner, okay. and he is a arrogant, insecure, philandering. <laughs> um, word that probably ought to be beeped out of this family friendly PG eleven podcast. Beep. He's he's the like you know how Ro- when Rowling wrote uh, like Draco Malfoy and Snape, like you spent six and a half entire books wanting to beat them. Yes. This is like a real-life version, not the wizard version, of that same kind of just despicably snotty, unlikable, just whining, sniveling attitude with a British accent, which makes it all the more like he just needs a good sock in the teeth. Yep. Mm. There you go. There we go. That's my Jack Reacher. Sucker Punch of the Week. Excellent. Like Good job. I like it. All right, uh, gentlemen, one last question before we wrap this episode. What are you reading? Barnabas, how about you start us off? I just finished the audiobook of Becoming by Michelle Obama. Mm. And it was so good. Mm. Yeah. She, first of all, it would have been good if I had read it. She's a really good writer. The pace yeah. of it, the way that she tells the tell stories. So you're pretty confident that she, that she, she wrote it. Does she have an obvious co- uh, co-writer or ghostwriter helping her, I presume? I, do you know? 
I just didn't know if you know. I don't know. know. No, no, I've heard wonderful okay. things about it. I'm just um, curious. There's no one listed on the cover, yeah. which means okay. nothing, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm assuming she worked with somebody, yeah. but also. Sure. We have a good I mean, editor. There's nothing it, wrong with that. And yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's, there's a consistency of voice throughout yeah. that sounds, that it, it takes on it takes on her voice. But it, she does a really brilliant job of being it being a personal memoir with political elements just because of the, the direction that the Obama's life has taken, but not a political agenda. I'm sure people on the far right would say it's a political agenda because it's her. Sure. But I can't, I went into it with, a re, with respect for who she was, what she had accomplished for the family as a whole. And I came out with more respect mm. because I didn't know her backstory growing up, you know, her family's growing up on the South side of Chicago, her accomplishments, things that she overcame, and then just the ways that they dealt with the pressures of the presidency as a family were, I mean, it was it was pretty remarkable just as a parent going, I don't know that I would have done that nearly as well as they did. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Re- really well written, really well read on the audiobook, and really just a really well done memoir. That's awesome. Did Excellent. she do the reading herself? She on did. The- oh, oh cool. very nice. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. Very cool. I've heard it's excellent. It's so, yeah. nice. Put in the list. Dave. I'm reading In the Hurricane's Eye, The Genius of George Washington and the Victory at Yorktown. I've actually read it, so it's not really mm. read. But, uh, yeah, I finished it last week. It is uh, quite enjoyable. Good. Uh, you know me. I love reading a lot of history books. But uh, Nathaniel Philbrick wrote this, and he's written a lot of books like this, really kind of honing in on, like, one particular thing. So. You kind of know the bullet points of American history, and you're like, Yorktown, that's the last major battle of uh, the revolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't realize kind of everything. Because we all knew that. Of course. Because we all knew that. Especially but, uh, the Canadian. Well, <laughs> yeah, they all escaped to Canada afterwards. <laughs> so they all, they all, run away, run away. Yeah, that's right, that's right. No, but it's also <laughs> any time you think about uh, insulting uh, the French, remember that we were saved by about 30 French ships um, mm-hmm. that were bombing Yorktown at the time. So, yep. yeah, there was something, you know, 20, 30,000 French. Don't worry. We came to the French's some... rescue on a couple occasions after that, too. <laughs> it's, it's... Are you there saying, are, there are, are, are right you saying, turn, turn about his fair payback? Play. Yeah, that, there's Barnum's been met. <laughs> What's that? Payback's been met. Is that what you're saying? At, at least yeah. a couple world wars over. Okay, okay, there you go. There you go. Fantastic. <laughs> I think maybe in the, America. Possibly right. in the jungles of Vietnam yeah. as well, but I'm not sure about that. Whoa, one. whoa. We, there were no winners. I think we in both that got mess. slapped around. All right, no, that's true. The French yeah. started it, and then yeah, we, we got it in and does right, right after we're that. Like, we'll take it. No, that's right. It's, it's like All a right. game of wrestling. All right, hit stop. Okay, we'll tap in and get our butts kicked. Thanks, though. Okay. Okay. Who were you offended today? Uh, well, French people. We haven't even gotten to my <laughs> book yet. And veterans. <laughs> no, that was last and week. That was no, last the week. American veterans feel very honored. I know. Yeah. It's very true. Uh, do they? Canadian. We said okay. nothing negative about That's them. True. Yeah, Canadian veterans might feel disrespected. Yeah. All, they'll, they'll still all 13 of them. They'll still apologize. Oh. <laughs> um, okay. Juno Beach? Anyone? Nothing? My granddad Nothing? fought in World War II, so. Um, but uh, for Canada, uh, for no, for he was part of the uh, Royal Air Force. Okay, yeah, so they did good work. I want to hear more about that. So. <laughs> Quite yeah. a lot of it. Actually, uh, I don't know a lot about it. So, but um, but so I just finished, as in um, yesterday, when at the time of this recording, um, I finished them. Why we hate each other and how to heal by um, one Ben Sass. Um, so I decided to read a book by a politician. It's like the exact opposite of Michelle Obama's book. Well, his is actually 
actually no. No, there's a lot of crossover there. I mainly just wanted to get you in trouble. In so the thank, you. Thank, now. thank you. Thank uh, you. Remember that day? Why are you slashing at your throat with your hand? What's going on? I don't have the button. We don't have the button. You guys never learned to Turn press record. <laughs> no, um, it's you know it's it's a well done book. Um, you know it's got a it's got a couple of helpful insights. Um, some big ideas. Um, Sass is Sass. Uh, I I listen to the audiobook, so Sass actually reads it. Great fun. He's got an easy style, and uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. So, um, Sassy. Sure, sure. <laughs> ben Sass. It looks like Sassy. Ben Sass actually is pretty Sassy. Sassy. So, yeah. You know, no, Sassy is not a word that makes me think highly of people. I'm just like there are no. there are certain words that I'm like nope that, that no. doesn't no. do it no no he's Not got a de- he's got a decent sense of sense of humor though so yeah, that's getting um, better so that's one, good um, and he's not super crazy not super crazy so that is also a win um anyway so that takes care of uh what we've been reading guys thanks for chatting today dave is air drumming uh to get us off of this episode and uh yeah, it's like it's like just trying to like drum us out like dave mm-hmm. letterman's band that's right that's right so as always um if you are enjoying the show do leave your glowing five-star rating and review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts um but let's be honest most of you listen to it on itunes um <laughs> eight out of the ten of you that's pretty yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. That's right. Maybe nine. Uh, maybe nine. <laughs> maybe nine. Um, th- Unless you just listened on Aaron's website. That's Either right. Way. But that's, or or cool. Spotify um, as oh, well. But uh, but yeah. So until next time, we'll talk to you later. Bye. This is an Area Code podcast.